Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is a podcast that is focused on helping people learn strategies that will allow you to be able to move on your wellness journeys. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed provider. So it is May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as I shared, we are doing a four-part series on mental health and families, the workplace, relationships, and spirituality. Last week, we completed the segment on mental health and families. And this week, we are focusing on the workplace and mental health. So our title for today is, What Do You Need to Know? mental health in the workplace. So you all are very aware that this has been an incredibly tough year for people in the workforce just related to the pandemic. A lot of businesses had to cut back on some of their employment opportunities. Unfortunately, some businesses had to close. People have been receiving benefits to kind of help and compensate for those that were able to qualify. Other people had so much anxiety about going to work, they just ended up taking some time off. It was just too stressful for them being concerned about their health and the welfare of their families. A lot of depression has happened during this time as we have been cut off from our coping mechanisms and resources, especially being able to connect with people. And so the the workforce has taken a huge hit. We're starting to get back to some things as people are electing to get the vaccine as well as states opening back up and we're seeing a lot of opportunities in some states for employment. And so people often come to me and they ask, okay, so I have a mental health condition, I'm in treatment or I'm on medication, what do I need to disclose to my provider? I also work with a lot of military professionals. Is this going to affect my military career if it is found out that I have a mental health condition or if I seek treatment for one? A lot of my professionals, nurses, medical providers wonder, hey, if I'm seeking treatment, is this going to affect my license? So I wanted to take some time today and really address some of these questions about What do I need to disclose? Do I need to disclose anything? Can this affect me in terms of my work ability to be either promoted or can I be terminated if I have a mental health condition? And also what happens if I utilize my health insurance or the EAP, the Employment Assistance Program that's offered at my job? Or if I go through behavioral health through the military, what access to information do people in my work environment have? So let's get into some of these questions. First, do I have to disclose information about my mental health? You all are going to get real frustrated with me today because I'm going to tell you it depends a good bit of time as I'm answering some of these questions. So let's talk about times when people do disclose that they have a mental health condition. You all may be very aware of the Family Medical Leave Act, which is an opportunity for people to be able to have time to go to appointments, have time off to care for themselves or family members who may be dealing with medical or mental health conditions. And it is also a protective benefit for a lot of people in terms of being able to be for their mental health to be considered in terms of their employment, their evaluation. We also have a short-term and long-term disability that is offered at some 
employers' offices in, in terms of, hey, if something happens, an event happens, something chronic medically, something with my mental health that's more chronic and severe is causing me to be out of work for maybe some weeks or months, that is also something that we elect to be able to utilize in cases where we may have some chronic condition going on. So that being said, if you utilize those things, or um, let's talk about your workplace accommodations. Uh, so if I'm asking for some accommodations to be considered for me at work, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second, then you are going to have to provide documentation to your employer or to the secondary insurance carrier about why you are requesting these accommodations or using FMLA, taking time off, getting short-term or long-term disability, because that has to be one of the determining criteria for if you're going to be able to qualify to utilize those benefits. And you will sign a release of information. And that release of information, I encourage you to read very thoroughly because it is giving your permission to share information about your mental health conditions. So the answer for a lot of people is yes, you have consented to share information about your mental health. And in order for your benefits to be processed, then you are saying, hey, this is a term of, of our agreement for me to be able to utilize these benefits. So I do want you to know that what is shared is known uh, on a, or is, a, I guess I should say, is shared on a need to know basis. Because this is your protected health in information. So that does mean that your coworkers are not privy to your protected health information, but your supervisor absolutely is privy. Your human resources, there is an officer who usually handles these kinds of things, that person is privy. Whoever that insurance provider is that is going to reach out to your provider or ask your provider to complete information, they're going to have access to your protected health information. Your provider is frequently going to have to complete paperwork and send it to multiple places depending on what kind of accommodations that you are receiving. So all of those people that those that information goes to will have access to your information. So what does that mean? Uh, well, let's talk about workplace accommodations. And some examples of workplace accommodations would be things like extra time to get projects done, being able to be in a distraction-free environment at work. Some of you who may have attention deficit issues or may be sensitive to a lot of sounds, um, easily distracted, may request offices or cubicles that have less walkthrough traffic or not a window that I can look out of and get distracted, right? I may need accommodations uh, because I have to take medications at certain times of the day. And these medications may cause me to have to go to the bathroom more frequently. I might get migraines. And so I may need um, to have an uh, office that doesn't have, you know, those strong fluorescent bulbs in it, right? So um, there are a lot of different things may have um, need different things for my back, keyboard. Those are some of the medical kind of things that may happen, but I also may need time off for appointments. I may need uh, time to be able to, when I'm just having a flare up away from work. And so these are some examples of accommodations and frequently FMLA is used um, to, to be able to address those things. And so in order for me to qualify for those, for my provider to know how they can best assist me and support me, then yes, I do need to share information. Now, oftentimes when we are requesting these accommodations, 
we are also saying that these things are going to be reviewed as well. So I may get accommodations for three months, six months, and then my provider or my employer rather is going to be asking, hey, is this still going on? Can we go back to what you were doing before? You had a reduced work schedule. Are you able to now come back full time? So you are also agreeing as you uh, bring forth information about your, your mental health, you are agreeing to say, hey, I am going to be reevaluated after whatever deemed period that my, provide, my employer has uh, outlined for me. Make sure that you only disclose the information that's important. And I will also tell you that employers are not required to make accommodations for you, particularly if they can justify that those accommodations would put an undue hardship on them as employers. That may mean it is a small office or a small business. They don't have the resources to be able to have you work a reduced schedule or have you uh, be absent while you're dealing with flare ups because they don't have people to cover it. Or possibly financially, it could be a strain on them because they have to have additional personnel and they're still continuing to offer you pay during this time. It also may be that there's a lot of morale issues that can come when people are getting accommodations. And whereas people are not privy to your health information, they're definitely going to recognize that you're working a different schedule. And so then questions come, well, why is this person able to come in later or come in earlier, or only work part-time, or they don't have to do overtime, right? So if that's gonna cause a lot of conflict in the work environment, then your employer is well within their rights to be able to say whether or not they can make those accommodations. For you they may also feel like whatever let's say um, you have an issue with your supervisor and one of your accommodations that you're requesting is to be switched to a different supervisor they can absolutely say they uphold the supervisor's disciplinary action and how they handled the situation with you and that it did not rise to any level of uh, discrimination or undue stress based on their policies and procedures and I do absolutely recommend that you become very aware of the policies and procedures in your work environment. What that FMLA paperwork, what are the criteria that you would need to have to be able to utilize that? What are the criteria for that short and long-term disability? What kind of accommodations are available in your office? Because oftentimes people set themselves up to be in very difficult situations because you don't know the law. Um, Americans with Disabilities Act. There's a lot of things that you need to be aware of. Again, that ROI, that release of information that you signed. What are you agreeing to disclose? So you need to know your rights and, and make sure that you're clear about what is possible in your work environment so that you don't run the risk of having some um, unnecessary difficulties. Now, I will also say that if for any reason you are disciplined at work, there's an incident that happens at work, um, you have come back from some time off, uh, people are concerned about whether or not you're ready to return to work, your employer can absolutely request an evaluation of your mental health, your fitness for duty, um, to see if there's anything that has happened. And they can also make that request if you're seeking accommodations. Well, let's get a psychological evaluation of you to really determine if in fact these things are affecting your job responsibilities and performance. Because this is the thing that people don't often consider. Is your mental health actually affecting your job duties? 
you can definitely have mental health conditions and work very effectively. So why do we need to make accommodations for you? What specifically are you experiencing that affects your ability to work? If there is suspected substance abuse, if you're having conflict frequently with coworkers or supervisor, if you're chronically underperforming, so you're not meeting your production quota or you're showing up to work late or you're frequently having time off, uh, there has been an incident on your part of harassment or discrimination. There's been several complaints about how you engage at work and you violated company procedures and policies, people think you're acting odd, uh, then you definitely can have a request to be evaluated. And that is as a condition issue to either having what is recommended or you can risk termination of your job. So yes, that can be a condition of your maintained employment. And for some people, even pre-employment to have a psychological evaluation or be referred for a, a consultation with a psychological provider. Now, you do not have to comply. However, that may mean that you also are not going to be allowed to work there. It is very common for people to get psychological clearance, particularly military. Um, if you're going to be working overseas, if you're going to be in a high stress work environment, if there has already been some incidents, you've already had some mental health conditions. So that is something that, you know, you have the potential to be asked of you. And so you need to kind of be aware of that as a dynamic. Also the letter from your psychological provider, your treatment provider stating this, that you're not a danger to yourself or to others and you're doing well in your treatment. That doesn't mean they'll discriminate against you for having a license, but let's just say that you were in rehab because you had a substance abuse problem before they're going to allow you to come back to practice. They want to make sure that that issue is under control. And that are, those are some of the benefits of being um, protected as a class when you have a mental health uh, uh, disorder. But that doesn't, again, mean that you can just do whatever you want and there's no consequences and there's no guidelines. So, again, you do need to know your rights. Uh, it doesn't mean that your information will be disclosed with other people in your prof disclosed to other people in your profession, but uh, you do need to be aware that that can be a component of maintaining a license. Let's say you're effectively managing your mental health condition. You've been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, uh, and or or had a substance abuse uh, problem that is now in remission. You're in recovery for it. Um, and you're not utilizing any using anymore, you're abstaining, you're sober, then you may not need to disclose anything to people in your work environment because you're functioning well. You're not having any problems, not interfering significantly with your work duties. So I don't want you to think that you have to disclose your mental health information to your employer. Oftentimes we're just disclosing this information if we're seeking some type of accommodation or some type of support service through our jobs, but otherwise keep that information to yourself. You have the ability to disclose or not disclose to whomever you want. I just want you to be mindful that no one is required to maintain information that you willingly share. So if you are just talking to your coworker about the fact that you are on stimulant medication, that is information that they can share. They are not bound to uh, hold that information health insurance that's provided by my employer. Uh, oftentimes people are wondering, hey, is this information going to be reported back? Is it going to affect me in a negative way in terms of my ability to move forward in my career? Uh, and again, it depends. I warned you all early on. So if you are mandated 
In other words, required as a condition of your employment to seek an employee assistance program, then you are going to have to convey some information or that qualified health professional is going to have to convey some information back to your provider because it is a condition of your employment. Again, are you fit to return to work? Are there ongoing issues that we need to be aware of that we need to support you? Um, now, if you are required to get an evaluation, then it changes a bit because that evaluation does go to your employer. And so, for example, I've had uh, pilots have to come and get evaluations to determine uh, because they've had some diagnosable mental health problems in the past to determine if they're fit to be able to fly. And so they specifically do ask, does this person have a diagnosable mental health condition and does that condition interfere with their ability to be able to handle and they outline several different things. And so they are going to get information about whether or not you have a diagnosis and if it is going to affect you. Um, now, if you go through your insurance, right? So a lot of people are worried about, hey, if I go through my employer's insurance, does my employer have information about my mental health? The answer to that is no. Um, they don't know what you're being seen for because who has your insurance and your employer are, are different entities. So your insurance just helps pay a portion of your premiums, but they don't get access to your protected health information. Now your insurance company absolutely does. So in terms of your insurance, when you file insurance, when you agree to use insurance, accept insurance, you actually are signing away your rights to your health information. Your insurance provider gets information about you all the time in order to be able to pay for or not pay for a claim that you uh, uh, that is filed on your behalf to be able to cover whatever your service is. So yes, they can request records. They can do an audit and figure out like, hey, why are you continuing to have to go to the doctor about this? What's going on? Do you really need this treatment? Is there another option that might be available? So yes, they do have access to your information. That makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Unfortunately, when you utilize insurance, that is one of the components of it, which is why sometimes people will do private pay if they can, because they just simply do not want um, insurance to have in access to information that is very personal to them. But again, does not go to your employer. And that does not necessarily mean that just simply because you are seeing someone that is going to be a discriminating criteria for you at work. But again, do not go to your office and disclose information that is not asked or is not required. So if you are seeking treatment, that is your business. So you don't have to share that unless you, again, you are trying to get some resources from your job. Doesn't mean that, um, I know a lot of times for my military uh, clients, there is concerns about utilizing behavior health because yes, in that particular case, the military does have access to your mental health information. And typically that is, hey, what's your diagnosis uh, and what's the recommendations for treatment? Now, does that mean that you will not move up or will not have access to certain paths in your career? Possibly, depending on what the determination of the provider is. So if you are significantly impaired, then we're probably not going to feel really comfortable sending you out on uh, certain missions Right. So we may not want you to be in another country because you won't be able to access the mental health care services that you need. You may be on certain types of medication that can't be maintained if you're out in the field. And so we want to make sure that you are medication that you need, the services that you need, because then your symptoms could get worse and you could put other people at risk. 
So yes, those would be determining factors. Stimulant medication is one of the, um, the medications that often uh, we don't want people to be on when you're in the military service, active duty, especially combat, right? So there are certain jobs that will pro you will be prohibited from engaging in based on your diagnosis, based on the medication that you're taking. So yes, there is a possibility with that. So you do want to be very clear about what are the mental health diagnoses and medication that could impact uh, your work ability and your work performance. Now, does that mean don't seek services? Absolutely not. What that means is, hey, if I've got some issues, let me get them addressed. I want you to be preventative. Prevention is always better than intervention. So if I can stay on top of things, address it early, that usually helps with the um, maintenance of the disorder. So it doesn't end up getting as bad. It's not as severe. Sometimes things are short term and not chronic. And we can make that more likely if we actually seek treatment. So do not wait. A lot of people in the military wait until after they finish their service to get assistance. And I will tell you, that's when you have a lot more problems because you've had at your job, um, consult the Americans uh, with Disabilities Act and get a legal consult. I mean, sometimes you just need to know the laws and guidelines so that you can make sure you're informed so you can make the best decision possible. Am I mentally healthy enough to work? I think a lot of people feel like and this is where the discrimination and the stigma come into place. I think a lot of people feel like if you have a mental health condition, then something's wrong with you. You shouldn't be working. You shouldn't be around people. You're going to cause problems. And that's just a lack of understanding and education about mental illness. There is a range. There are some people that have very mild, minimal symptoms. And there are some people that have more severe, persistent, chronic symptoms. Severe, persistent, chronic probably not going to be working in a regular environment. Some of them may just be receiving disability benefits and some of them may be doing low stress um, types of jobs, working with a, a, a agency to support them. But it is important that you understand that most people, you would not even know that they had been diagnosed with a mental health disorder because they're managing it just fine. That's like saying you can't show up to work if you wear corrective lenses. Not that is true if you wanna be a pilot but not for most other things. So the same is true for mental health disorders. Some environments are going to be a better fit for me than others. I'm going to be able to be successful and productive in some environments, same thing. So what's more important about the work opportunities is finding a place that's a good fit for you. If you are a person that does not like to interact with a lot of people, then you wanna be mindful about your career path. What kind of job options will allow me limited contact with people that may be more production based where I get to do more solitary activities? Because I'm very, very good at being able to do things when I don't have anxiety of being around people. Right. Or maybe I'm the type of person who doesn't need high production based jobs because that is very stressful for me. And so I don't want to have to meet a high quota uh, because it's going to cause me to have a panic attack. Right? Or maybe I'm the type of person who is a research logic based person. I can figure things out. I'm not real good with my hands uh, because working with my hands is a, is a struggle for me. Maybe I've got some, some um, physiological things that affect my ability to, to work with my hands or maybe I'm just not that coordinated, right? So we just wanna find a good fit. If you are significantly impaired, 
then no, you don't need to be working. So if you're having a hard time getting up, getting dressed, moving, you'd be calling out a lot from work, you're panic um, stricken most of the time, then yeah, we may want to talk about uh, what would be a good option for you uh, until you can get your symptoms better under control. But we want to make sure that if you are capable of working, get out and work. Because one of the things that allows us to be mentally healthy is having meaningful and purposeful activities. And work is one of those things. So oftentimes people do better when they have a job as opposed to not having a job. Now, there are a lot of factors that can inf interfere with work performance. Burnout is a huge one. Um, substance abuse conditions, of course, uh, things that affect our attention, concentration, memory. Uh, and then also if we have a lot of requirements, so maybe I'm caregiving, I'm taking care of elderly parents or I have a, a child that has special needs that requires a lot of appointments. And a lot of times I have to go and intervene because my child is having some significant challenges at school. Um, or in a facility that they may be in. So these are things that could really affect whether or not you are able to work at this time. And sometimes people will take time off and as things get better managed, then they come back. That's when a flexible work schedule or a graduated work schedule may be helpful. So maybe I come in at, at um, lower volume times or I come in earlier in the morning. I get a lot of stuff done before people get in because I have more requirements of appointments in the afternoon. Uh, maybe I have um, a schedule that I will start off working one or two days coming back in. That's that graduated schedule. And then I work myself back up to a full schedule. Maybe I just work part time. Uh, consider the effects of your medication because sometimes medications can make you sleepy. So you don't want to be sleep at work. So you have to be mindful about, well, one, when you're taking those medications, but then two, when, what hours am I working? Because maybe I'll come to work and then I'll take my medication after work when I get home. And so again, that flexible schedule may be helpful. Do I need to work from home? Sometimes working from home can really be helpful to people who particularly have a lot of anxiety. And so that way I'm in an environment where I feel very comfortable and I can be very productive. Some people actually have found that they're more productive working from home because they have less distractions. And so they're not getting sidetracked. And this is particularly true for people that may have um, issues with attention and concentration and who are easily distractible. Um, also, there, the, the other things to consider are your work environment. Um, some environments, the climate is very friendly and supportive and accommodating. Other climates are very hostile um, and can feel really stressful and very pressure driven. Some people function best in those environments and some people don't function well in those environments. So understanding that if you are on disability, other things to keep in mind are how many hours am I able to work? How much money am I able to earn and it not interfere with my disability benefits? Uh, how do I best receive information? Am I a person that needs to see it visually? Am I a person that needs to hear it, hear it and see it? Do I need to be more tactile or I need to be hands on with it? Do I need to have it modeled? And so as you're talking to your supervisor, you can talk with them about how best to work with you. So you are more likely to be able to be successful. And these are things you can communicate without having to disclose your diagnosis. You can just simply share, hey, I learned best in this way. Supervisor says, okay, well, let me make sure that I do that. You only disclose as much information as you need to. Again, less is more uh, because we do know that there is stigma associated with mental illness and we do not want you to potentially be in a position where you will be discriminated against because you've overshared information that wasn't necessary. Um, and then we want to make sure that you have your strategies already in place before you go to work. 
So what's your optimal bedtime? How much sleep do you need to be productive? What are going to be your work-life balance kind of activities? How are you going to communicate work boundaries? We know that for some people, they're in environments where people are calling them all outside of work hours and emailing them all outside of work hours, texting them. You want to make sure that you're setting appropriate boundaries so that you don't end up being in a stressful environment. And sometimes people don't know how to communicate that effectively. One of my... Um, my partners is very, very helpful about like, hey, when I'm giving out my phone number, this is what I need you to know about my boundaries. And so if you communicate that up front, then people will not violate them. Or if they do violate them, you can just simply remind them and you don't have to answer the call. I don't take calls after eight o'clock or 8.30 most days. Most people know that so they don't call me. It has to be really something uh, that I didn't get a chance to address earlier for me to um, talk to somebody at that time. And I try to keep those conversations brief because that's you know, people's evening. And I know some of you stay up to one o'clock in the morning, but for most people, they need to be winding down around nine o'clock um, because a lot of people are going to bed between nine and 10 so they can get up early and take care of things. So we want to be mindful about that. Know what accommodations are available in your workplace before you go. If you know you have an attention deficit, if you know you have anxiety, if you know you're prone to depression, um, it, these are things that are important for you to understand. Hey, if I were to need accommodations, what would they be? And what is going to allow me, again, to be preventative so I don't end up having challenges where I need to call out from work or take time off. There are also agencies that work with people that have a diagnosable mental health illness, um, and they will work with you to find a place that's a good fit for you. They also do job training, help you with resumes. And so being able to locate those services in your area can also be beneficial. So what's the takeaway from this, Dr. Tarver? Well, my takeaway points for you are one, you need to always know your rights, know the policies and procedures of your employment um, opportunities, and also know what advocacy resources are available. Some people have unions where they work. Some people don't. You have a union rep. They may be able to help navigate you through this. You might have HR contact and can help you navigate through this. So these are the people that you need to identify early on so you know what to do. Again, prevention is always better than intervention. So if you have mental health conditions, you want to go ahead and make sure you're on top of those. Don't wait until somebody intervenes and tells you you're underperforming and then you are uh, strongly encouraged, i.e. mandated, to go and seek mental health services. And lastly, find the environment that's the right fit for you in terms of your work setting. And know yourself well enough to be honest with yourself about what is going to be the best fit, not what's going to make me the most money, not what is something that people are going to be excited about me having as a career, but what is going to be the best fit for me. Because above all else, I want you to be well.